What's up, Black Men Can't Jump comic book fans? James III here to talk to you about my comic series, Junior, available now on Kickstarter. The ghost with the most past due child support is back in four brand new issues of this semi-autobiographical supernatural comic series. It's got all sorts of spooky hijinks for fans of Beetlejuice, The Good Place, and The Mummy, stuff like that, and features award-winning artists from Marvel, DC, Dark Horse, and more. It's available on Kickstarter through June 9th. Go to ruleof3inc.com or follow me at ruleof3inc on IG for more details. Donate today! Like we should still do our uh, a cold open just just to keep it yeah. somewhat. Okay, I mean, yeah. Is the cold open just gonna like be loose. topical where we're like, screw what? the producers, yeah. give me out. <laughs> I mean, give us the I mean, money. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna start with that line. That <laughs> give line us and the money. Give us <laughs> the monies. That's Show all... me the money. That I'm not mm-hmm. quoting any. Yeah, exactly. No, Can we no. say that out of context? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you would like to be shown the money. Yes. Yeah, I would like to and be shown the money. No, that was written by Cameron yeah. Crowe. Yeah. Member of the WGA. Yeah. <laughs> so since we can't technically say it, just give us the money. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you get what ass is going, baby. Um, <laughs> oh God. We, yeah, we have been. You know, as as uh, as our listeners should know, we have been on uh, hiatus because of the strike. Which uh, mm-hmm. uh, SAG had had joined um, a couple weeks ago now. Of course. We've also been on strike for WGA for quite some time, uh, which uh, has allowed me to to um, have some of the highest credit card limit I, I've had. Oh, let's go. Let's Never, go. You know, it's funny. It's like it's, I'm doing I a thing that I know that most one. most Americans do. But like I was like, oh, I used to be a person who. Every month, I'd be like, I gotta, I gotta erase all debt. Yeah, my dad was very much like, no debt, no, no debt. Uh, nope, <laughs> yeah, yeah. not anymore. Mm. Now I literally, I look at my bank and I go, ooh, ooh, that's pretty close to the uh, to the limit. I gotta pay a little bit of this. <laughs> You're like, what's the min? What's the minimum payment? What's the yeah? What's the, yeah? I'm like, oh, that's a minimum pay. Okay. Braylock was so funny about that. As today, I was looking at my account because I have to send off like my. Uh, statements and I looked at my credit card one of my biggest credit cards and I went they didn't have to up my limit and the thing is they upped the limit by 12k and I'm close to the limit and I'm like I'm not gonna give y'all half of this okay because the half (laughs) I don't have the half you know what I mean yeah that's how they get you though that's how they get you they see that you've been doing well for a while so then they go well here's more (laughs) like here's here's let's make this harder for you to pay back borrow some more money I don't need it. Sure. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, so you know, I mean, it, it, we 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 will not be promoting films uh, or television as been struck or okay. could be struck. Um, but that doesn't mean that we can't come here and talk to you all about other stuff. Okay, it's, it's in a way, you know, this is a rebranding. Of the podcast for the wow. for the interim. Oh wow! It's an interim, it's an interim, interim rebrand. It's an interim agreement. Okay, <laughs> so, we so, made our own interim agreement. So this is like this is this is an inaugural episode. This is this is the interview, right? It is. Yeah, this is this is the interviews. You know what I mean? Ooh, that sounds you know? sexy. We gotta get interviews, some, some classy plural? music. <laughs> yeah, you know, the, the beginning of the okay. interviews. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Like if we had some of... some cognac or something in the seventies. 
it'll be mood lighting and we'll have a cigar just talking over a fire and our voices would be real calm. <laughs> like that's how the interviews we have. No, no one's is that cut. your idea is that your ideal interview setting? <laughs> I mean, yeah, man. It's like, you know, you know, they yeah. always were just like in two chairs in front of like a uh like a curtain. Ours would be in front mm-hmm. of a fireplace, you know what I mean? With like some fuzzy little slippers, maybe a dog. Okay. You know, but the dog don't talk because mm. the dog is old and tired. Yeah. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Just lay, lying there. On, just chilling, on, you know? Yeah. Maybe named Maxie or something. I don't know. You know, just throwing out names. We can we can figure out a dog name later. But just so you know. And at this point is when, you know, I would transition us in, into the episode. But usually Thank those God. are really bad. Yes. So... And since this is an inaugural episode, we ain't doing that. Uh, I don't want to do that anymore. Woo! You know, in a way, I'm. I, I am don't actually, do it. I just don't you apolog- say it. No, I want to apologize. <laughs> don't, don't you Thank say you, man. It. Thank you. I'm not saying I am apologizing to the to the people who have expressed hatred online uh-huh. about my transitions. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you, because and I want to I want to come to them with. Uh, you know, contrition in my heart. Okay. And I'm just seeking, I'm seeking the redemption of Jar Jar Binks. He did it. He said it. I oh, knew he was going to Oh, man, say. you're so embarrassing. I knew he was going to transition. You somehow managed to say well, you were d- not going to do it and do it at the same well, time. Well, no, I mean, well, I'm not doing it. I'm just, I'm just telling them what I'm, what I'm, what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the redemption uh, of Jar Jar Binks. Right. The name of the you podcast that we happen us. to be discussing today. Oh, Wow. Okay, I thought that was just a phrase that people said. No, certainly Wait, isn't. We have guests. <laughs> we have guests. You can't be embarrassing me and James in front of the guests. All right. Okay. okay. All right. Shit. Well, let's start the show. Jonathan Raylock, James the Third, Drop Billy God damn, always transitioning. Where my incense? <laughs> okay. All right. Okay, let's get, we're doing this. Welcome to Black Men Can't Jump in Hollywood. Hollywood City. James, you just want to drink your beer? <laughs> oh, yeah. Feels like I sh- maybe shouldn't do a okay. line. <laughs> yeah, I like, guess. Yeah, I, yeah, I guess you, you know, can't. The yeah. nature of what we're it's talking just, you about. You know, you're striking, so you can't. Yeah, I can't even do that, that anyway. I can't even yeah. do that anyway. Yeah. She's just drinking a beer instead. <laughs> just, I'm just drinking a beer in darkness. <laughs> All right. <laughs> now, uh, you know, normally this is a film review podcast where we review the films of uh, leading black actors and talk about them in the context of race and diversity in Hollywood. Racism. I got you. And we're right still here. we're not we're not going to be reviewing a film, but we are going to be talking a little bit about race in the context. Of Hollywood. Racism in Hollywood for real. (laughs) Potentially a lot of bit about, I mean, I think, (laughs) I imagine Uh, that that might come up a bunch today. (laughs) Well, we have uh, two fantastic guests Hold on, wait, hold on, wait, Bray, hold on, I got to get my intro music. Because you two are very special guests. We got intro music. Mm. All right. Let me know when you're ready, Bray. Intro music? Is this what we're calling this now? Yeah, it's my... Yeah, Bray, it's the intro music. We've been doing it for like 500 episodes. Music. Okay. We have a new podcast out called The Redemption of Jar Jar Binks. welcome to the podcast. Come on, man. Come on. I got it. I thought you were going to end it. Okay. Yeah, he's doing it. Dylan Marin, I'm at best. 
Well, see, see, guys, wow. see that was Woo! wonderful. Wow, I mean, you, you, you had the sneer. That was my sneer. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, that was a that was a good drum roll there. Bubba, Thank bubba, you. Bubba, see, bubba. I was trying to. Wow, that's Thank very you. kind. I, I felt it too. For the Thank record. Thank you, Dylan. Thank you. I also just <laughs> want to apologize. Nice you guys were uh, recording a cold open. Hi, and- I'm so sorry to interrupt this podcast. I just wow. really need. Please, I hope you offer me some redemption, but I really need John to open a jar jar of banks for me. So. Wow. That's all. Tessa. I love you. Wow. <laughs> that was that was I don't even know. That was. Wow. For uh, for the listeners, that was uh, my wife, Tessa Claire Hirsch, trying to do some version of, of a transition. We're fully into the podcast. I love it. Honestly, Got it. we can always be transitioning into what we're here to discuss. That's perfect. What if the podcast was just transitions? Just yeah. the entire time. Yeah. We never even asked a question. We just moved into like... I the, we, love just, this. we were just black men that jumped into transitions. Yeah. <laughs> For the Brilliant. record, opening a jar of Jar Jar Banks kind of flows because it's opening a jar. And I get it, Tessa. You know what I mean? I get it. Yeah, I truly, I was, but Dylan, you were mid-sentence. <laughs> I was mid-sentence oh, and I did saying? feel interrupted and yeah, I would like an apology at the end it. of this. I um, think you should get one. Yeah. So I apologize, Dylan. What what were you, you were in the Okay, this is the second time I was interrupted. <laughs> um, and I would like another apology later. Okay, so there are two enough. apologies owed to me at the end. I only yeah. come on podcasts to be apologized to. <laughs> um, wow. Transition and, and so, apology. Getting what you want. Wow. Yes, thank wow. you. Um, so now the second time I was interrupted, this is all to say I felt like when you guys started recording your cold open, I felt like the annoying kid sister who was with her older brothers, older cooler brothers who were having a sleepover. And you guys were like talking amongst yourselves and I thought we were supposed to talk too. And then I, st- you can hear when I started going silent when I was like, oh, this is not our part. So I apologize. Well, no, you that. get talk. No, yeah, you, to be fair, okay, you, you were allowed to talk, but I apologize that our energy gave the vibe that you were. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you. The apologies tour right. is starting, so, so I appreciate oh, it. Oh my goodness. That's what's up. Um, yeah. Now, um, Dylan uh, uh, has been on the podcast before. I feel like, I think you talked about Tu Wong Fu. Tu Wong Fu. I don't know what the rules are. No, uh, you can bleep it out. <laughs> I said a title. Oh, yeah. Of a movie. Oh, right. oh yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> We're um, all learning these rules as we go. Uh, we, of course, uh, we did comedy together in New York, and Dylan has a, an incredible podcast called Conversations with People Who Hate Me uh, that you can listen to. But um, we are here. <laughs> to talk about a new podcast called The Redemption of uh, Jar Jar Binks, uh, a character from a Star Wars film uh, that is, of course, played, uh, voiced, and uh, what body movements of, how do you, I don't Performance know. Captured. Performance captured. Performance uh, captured by Ahmed Best. And this um, is very, I, I, I like the, to me, I, I love the synergy of, kind of what you've been doing, Dylan. I'm talking about uh, hate on the internet and first how it related to you. Uh, then uh, you were kind of facilitating conversations uh, between other people who had like these hateful interactions with each <laughs> other. Um, and now this is like almost 
like an origin story, you know, maybe if you will, mm-hmm. of like, you know, uh, uh, this cultural zeitgeist moment of um, coming uh, of the Internet banding together and hating uh, a singular person, which mm. um, I believe you talk in, your, in, in this podcast about like that's kind of a thing that happens daily now. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, is there, uh, I, I, I guess my first question that I would love to start off with is like how you came up with this idea. Like, yeah, where, where, was the, where were the origins uh, of the redemption of Jar Jar Binks? Yeah, well, I, um, so yeah, I, I had been making conversations with people who hate me for a while. It's so funny, I'm used to answering these questions without Ahmed on the call. And so it feels <laughs> surreal that I get to answer in front of you. Um, this feels like back to when I was pitching this show. Um, but I, so, you know, as a, as an observer, you know, I was paying very close attention to internet culture, trying to think like what would make for an interesting conversations with people who hate me episode. And I'm sure we'll get to this, but, you know, Ahmed, I had known your story for quite some time. I saw your tweet in July of 2018. Um, I was like aware of it. I had read, you know, the articles and stuff like that. Um, But I thought it would have been a really fascinating way to explore what this stuff looked like pre-social media as we know it. Um, mm-hmm, people right. would argue social media was in place, but, you know, um, that's what we're calling like forums, Facebook, social media. Twitter, Before Facebook Instagram. and Twitter yeah. and Instagram, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, what we call social media today. So at first I was like, oh, this would make for a really interesting conversations with people who hate me episode. And Ahmed, we haven't discussed this, so you guys are getting an exclusive here. But Ooh. I tried reaching out to you um, through an email that I don't think is actually actually a real email, but I like had found some email and I wrote this long email that I like <laughs> drafted and redrafted. And I was like, Ahmed, Mr. Best, my name is Dylan Merrill. I'm honored to meet you. Um, I'm a huge fan of your story. Thank you. Are incredible. Anyway, that is like lost somewhere in someone's spam folder. (laughs) This person is, Um, and yeah. So I, I was like, oh yeah, this would make for an interesting conversation with people who hate me. Episode. The more I dug into the story, the more I realized like this was actually such a huge story. And I also did a deep dive on interviews with Ahmed, and I'm like, oh, there's no way. I can make this project without like centering the person who experienced Mm. this firsthand. Um, So kind of those two things happened simultaneously that I wanted to do a long form investigative deep dive into what happened. Um, But with there was no way I was going to do it without Ahmed's involvement. Um, And so through... Well, really, it was Ted that helped me reach out to him. And then um, we we kind of had so many planning sessions, Ahmed, of how we were going to get in touch with you. You were our elusive, elusive <laughs> diamond. And um, it finally worked out. And um, Ahmed, you and I had a, had a few calls and a few Zooms, uh, some off-the-record Zooms, some on-the-record Zooms about like what this would entail, how we could do this as respectfully to you as possible, you know, like, um, you know, not wanting to, I think stories like these can frequently go into the territory of like mining trauma. And, Mm. um, 
I wanted to figure out how to a, a way to do that um, with uh, as carefully and sensitively as possible. And so to me, that's what our early calls were. And, and then we started recording and started the process Amazing. of making the show. That's yeah. awesome. And ju- and just for the for uh, listeners, Ted Ted, this is this is like you know Ted talks the Ted uh, talks. Not, oh, not, just, the, not, not not the homie Dylan's Ted. Friend. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, <all> right. <laughs> so I thought it was a person named. I legit thought it was a person yeah. named Ted. Yeah. I was like, yeah. damn, no, this no, Ted is connected. I thought, I thought a few people might think that. So okay. yes. just like Ted, <laughs> as in talks, Got is uh, releasing <laughs> technology this podcast. Entertainment design. Yeah. Oh, yes. like, damn, Dylan, your friend Ted is connected. Look at yeah, that shit. That's that's such a like. Starfuckery thing to just name yeah. the first name of a celebrity. I know. Like, okay, I was up. trying to think of a famous Ted, but I couldn't. Oh, that's Ted Danson. Uh, I got me. Oh, yeah, yeah, Ted, Ted Danson. There, Ted Danson. Ted Danson. Um, yeah, I just reached out to Ted. Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember someone did that once. I, this was like so, so many years ago. And he was telling a story about his friend, um, Phil Hoffman. And he repeated yeah. Phil Hoffman so many times while also looking up to make sure everyone registered who he was talking <laughs> yeah. about. I was like, sweetie, just say Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, exactly. All simple yeah. people here. <laughs> you have to spell it out. But the idea of just like, yeah, Phil. And then like pause. F- Phil Hoffman. You're like, <laughs> nice. Oh. Okay, oh, nice. You get it. Yeah, so that's my Ted. Um, Ted Danson was so Respect. kind. To <laughs> me. It's my homie from the neighborhood, Ted Danson. <laughs> 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 you know yeah, I mean? we love him. I respect. I, I have a random question. This is for both of you. Like, I. It's so weird because I think now we live in a world where, like, you know, if you put up a YouTube video, anything you do, you can instantly get like trolls or whoever commenting on it very quickly. Now, this is sure. the thing. We all know the negative parts of trolling, but has there ever been something you've actually learned from a troll? Like, I, I used to do these MTV videos, and it was a guy who would troll. Cause I don't have eyebrows, right? Like it's a thing. I just don't have them. And like he would comment, you have, you have Gerard, them. Bear's no, no, listen, Bear, listen, Gerard, don't thin. let that person <laughs> listen. They thin. I get it. I get it. And he would comment so often, right? But one day he didn't comment, and I got worried. And I like added him, like, "Hey man, you good?" And he was like, <laughs> he responded with, "Oh no, I'm fine. I was just looking up how to get you um, thicker eyebrows," and gave me like a wink. <laughs> Oh, gave, this is a off, real thing. That oh, happened. this is there's a yes, like yes. When I was at MTV News, this is a real thing. And he would he sent me a link to like um, which I still have to this day, like um, I don't know something that's supposed to help your eyebrows grow thicker. And I was like, you know what? Uh, let's try it. You know, so let's let, let me get this from the troll. I think I still <laughs> have I, it in my heart. Did it I work? Need to understand did you what get thick happened? eyebrows? <laughs> no, they still thin, but they thick. I mean. I mean, you can see him in the light a little bit. Uh, nah, not really. I tried. Wait, did you, you use agree? the product? Yeah, yeah, man, I yeah. still got it. Hold on. Y'all keep talking. I'll be back. Hold on. Oh, well, wow. I had a question no, for you about you. that. You don't need... Okay, he's gone. <laughs> but but I, I guess... Yeah, 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 I want to see it too. <laughs> but to Jara's question, yeah, have you ever learned anything from a troll? I guess been offered uh, any products <laughs> have you ever has there ever been cr- criticism dealt by a troll that you were like they actually do have they didn't have to say it this mean but they do have a point no um i've never learned nor have i um been educated by a troll but 
I've educated some trolls. Yeah. And okay. they've come back and gone, you know what, you kinda have a point. Like I remember I, oh. I used to re- I used to really go in on people on social media. Yeah. I don't anymore, but like you know, I'm mm. I'm pretty tech savvy and and very much an early adopter of technology. So mm. um I remember when like Facebook first started and I was on I've been on all the platforms when they first start. Like I was right. on Friendster, I was on MySpace, all, all this stuff. Yeah, was, yeah. You had Black you Planet know, though. Did you have Black Planet? I had Black Planet. I was very much on Black Planet. Wow. <laughs> what was your What was your a, profile a, song a, on MySpace? <laughs> um, I think at, at one point it was like "Check the Rhyme" by a Tribe Called Quest. I was like, yeah, that's nice. And then um, you know, I'm from the Bronx. I grew up in the South Bronx, so I had a whole bunch of like Bronx hip hop rappers on my MySpace. So it was like KRS. Remember, KRS had this one track called "You KRS. Must Learn," right? So I had "You <laughs> Must Learn" on my joint. Um, as an aside, my brother, I have a twin brother. He's, um, a graphic designer and he was one of the designers on blackplanet.com. What? Yo. Yeah. Yo, first off, just a little fun fact. Bring it. Black Planet needs to come back. Like that was the thing I remember growing up because I didn't have a computer, but I had a Black Planet page at my boy's house because I would use his and you could put the music, get your photos. Ah, man. That was yeah, funny. The idea that the dope. page was at his house. It was at I, your he friends. had the computer because he had the computer. So I would have mm. to go there and use it. Yeah, but I remember like just to really quickly answer your question. I was having a debate about Mike Vick to a couple mm. people because mm-hmm. um, you know everybody was talking about Mike Vick and how he deserves to be in jail for life because his cousin like fought dogs in his mm-hmm. house, right? And Mike right. Vick went to jail for two years. And, you know, I think the comment that actually flipped the script was, you know, I was talking about him being a black man and then, and, and, you know, the idea of violence being enacted on a black man as if he's more animal than the actual dog. And right. I would say things like, well, we're talking about being humane to the dogs. Why aren't we talking about being humane to the human? Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's when they were just like, you know, I never really thought of it like that, mm-hmm. you know, oh. especially, you know, through a through a, a black lens, through a black male mm-hmm. lens where violence is our history in this country. So that was probably the one time that I, I uh, one of the few times where I flipped a troll. Oh, and that man. was on Facebook. I was on Facebook. Yeah. Man, that's a lot because Facebook, that's where they live. Yeah, this was before Facebook got crazy though. Okay, now Facebook is all before Trump. Yeah, this was before Trump. (laughs) Because to me, Trump Trump is is was the flip. It was the switch. It was like there was a time where I was very very active on Facebook, as I'm sure some of you remember. And I and uh, but the Trump train it took it to another. Level. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was Cambridge like, Analytica that really kind yeah, of that's right. looked at oh, yeah, yeah. people's profiles and then, you know, cross-referenced it with actual psychological profiles and then used that to create software that created the algorithms that created the conspiracy theories, you know. But yeah, above, this was yeah, like, yeah. this was pre-Cambridge Analytica. Oof. Yeah. So, oh, we, I feel like we got heavy real quick. No, but just so y'all know, know, but you know, I what? still got the cream. Bring it back. Bring it back with the eyebrow cream. Bring it back. <laughs> I still got the, I still got the, so it's like for your eyebrows 
and your beard in case you got a patchy beard. So yeah. and we're not That's we're not even sponsored. By I didn't say product. what it was. I didn't say the product. I'm just y'all see it. Nobody else see it. That's what I, I don't know Dr. how Sebi, did Doctor Sebi bring that out. Don't do that. Don't do that. You can't say Doctor Sebi on the podcast before we all go missing. Hold on a second. Hold on. From Costa Rica? Is that from Costa Rica? Listen, I live on myself. If y'all hear from me tomorrow. They got me. Just know what happened. I don't know me. how much we can keep talking about this, but I'm still baffled at you. The person would comment on your eyebrows every video, and yeah. then they didn't one video, and then and you, you reached out to them. But this is my thing. This is my thing. I, look, I, where I'm from, people make fun of you all the time, and it wasn't like it wasn't anything that was like super detrimental to me it was like i know i don't have thick eyebrows people in my life tell me that and so when he right. did it it was a constant joke and to me it legitimately got so funny that yeah when i didn't see it i thought and he was consistent it was like always yeah, yeah. the first post like no matter if it was on like the instagram or on the youtube and then when he was gone i just thought something happened you know but he was here. You were worried. On. You were worried about you him. Do, you, you actually know? developed a, a relationship with you know? yeah. yeah yeah i yeah, yeah. spoke yeah, to him since friend. but you know yeah. You're a you good know. friend, man. That's a good look, friend. Look at us being better. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Alex, what's all about? What's up, folks? This podcast is sponsored by Earning. Life doesn't happen bi weekly, so wash your payday. The money you earn could be in your hands today with Earning. Earning is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earning app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. Think about it. Say you're going out for a special date or it's getting hot, y'all. You might need a fresh outfit for brunch or something nice. Or maybe you just want to feel good and take yourself to dinner. Earning can help you today. Make earning a part of your financial routine and join earnings over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about earning, I think about financial stability and security. It gives me a lot of peace of mind. Mm-hmm. Download Earning today. That's spelled E-A-R-N-I-N in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earning app, type in Jump under podcast when you sign in. It'll help the show out. Jump under podcast. Subject to your available earnings, location, daily max, and pay period. See earning.com slash DOS for details. Earning is a financial technology company, not a bank. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust member FDIC. I wanted to ask, and I know you um, probably talk about this on the uh, podcast, but since this is a... a podcast about actors and black actors specifically. I know, you know, like breaking and, you know, the three of us are actors as well. And, and breaking into the Hollywood industry is something that is extremely difficult to do for anybody, but especially for um, black actors. And I imagine uh, like most people, when you uh, got uh, a role uh, in a film that was uh, going you know, everyone knew it was going to be big, um, that there was like a dream stage that happened of like what this could mean for your life, what it could mean 
like how it could change things, what, you know, your career could potentially look like and all of that. Um, and then it not necessarily turning out that way. Um, mm-hmm. I was wondering if you could like speak to that and like just the emotional state, you know, and the, and, and what you had to kind of go through um, just kind of from that perspective, because I feel like, you know, we, it, we're dealing in uh, hopes and dreams and, uh, and to have it kind of like be built up, you know, I, I, I'll admit I was listening to the podcast and I was, I was hearing about like, I think at some point George Lucas saying something to the effect of like, get ready, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember, you know, this is on a much, much smaller scale, but we had a, a sketch show and I feel like there were times while we were filming it where some of the executives uh, at uh, a company uh, were kind of speaking about, Hey, get ready. Like this is going to be a big thing. And it was like, I, both kind of, even at that point, like didn't want to hear it, but also was like, couldn't help myself and be like, oh man, I can, I can only hope, you know, mm-hmm. um, and then being let down <laughs> when it didn't necessarily come, come to fruition in the way that we, you know, were, uh, kind of led to believe. So yeah, anyway, sorry, that was a long winded way of asking about that. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely that happened. Um, yeah. you know, I, I went to, um, I used to play percussion with the Fugees and um, I, I went to, um, I went to high school with Lauren Hill. She was a really close friend of mine. Oh, right? get out. Still is. Wow. Right. Real close to Lauren. She was like my little sister. She younger than me. Wow. And so when the Fugees kind of first started out, um, when they were kind of figuring out who was going to be in the band, I did, I did a lot of the New York shows with them. Like I was playing, mm-hmm. I play, I'm a drummer. Like I was saying earlier, I played right. um, African percussion. I played, uh, Afro-Cuban percussion, I played steel pan, right? Um, which is a Caribbean percussion instrument. Mm-hmm. And so I remember um, being in the studio with them, rehearsing for a couple of these gigs, and Clef got a phone call and was just like bubbling. No one was saying anything. And everybody was looking at Clef like, what are you doing, man? What's happening? You know? And he was like, I'll tell you after rehearsal. And we rehearse and rehearse and rehearse and rehearse and rehearse. And after rehearsal, as soon as re- rehearsal was over, Clef goes, we going on tour with Latifah. And they were like over the moon. They were blasting. Yeah. And this was right before the score came out. This was right after their first record, which was kind of mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But the thing that really launched them to where they, you know, f- finally became was that tour with Latifah, right? All right. That moment was like one of those dream come true moments, right? Yeah. And then they went on to do what they did. The score came out. They had a bunch of big hits. Lauren became mm-hmm. Lauren, right? Yeah. When I got Star Wars, like getting Star Wars, and we're playing, right? And, and everything is going, and we're in this beautiful bubble of creativity and this brand new technologies emerging and um you know george is actually coming to george lucas i'm sorry i did the single name i had to google who it was it's okay yeah, 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 talking about george, george went from cheers we talked about yeah, george exactly. went, which... <laughs> i didn't want to do the philip hoffman joint but when george was george would you know we knew we had something right 
And this was my first movie. I was 24 years old. I was rising to the occasion, right? Mm, Everybody right. had more experience than me, even little Jake, right? He did Jingled right. All the Way with Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> oh, that's right. right. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, shit. Everybody had more experience than me. I was the new kid on the block, but I was I was kicking everybody ass, right? I was I was doing my job and exceeding. And then I got my Latifa moment, which was George going, get ready, right? Which is mm. what we talk about in the podcast. Right. And it wasn't just him, like entire cast, we were all excited about the the work that was going on. George hadn't directed a movie in 20 years. Right. Um Liam just came off of Les Miserables and he was just like, he went from like this very serious, you know, Victor Hugo book to this, you know, sword samurai space movie. Right. Mm, right. And, you know, we were having such fantastic times that when that moment happened, I believed it. And because I saw what happened with Lauren and them, I was like, this is my moment. Like, this is me like going on a tour with Latifah. You know, and so the excitement was bubbling from 97, right? Now, you also have to remember that the movie didn't come out until two years later. Mm. So yeah. there was two years of this excitement bubbling. Oh, goodness. There was mm. two years of this work because I kept working. Like the principal photography was over and I was still doing all the CGI stuff at Industrial Lights and right. Magic. Right. Because it had never been done before. So there mm. were all of these questions that needed to be answered. And we were like a software startup. We were software was being written as I was performing. There were people who didn't believe that things were possible until I did it, including George. Right. So every time there was something that was happening, every time that I did something, it was brand new in movies, not just in this right. movie. Right. Mm. In every movie from the beginning of movies till right. 1997. So, of course, that <laughs> yeah, it's literally historic. Exactly. Wow. So, the excitement yeah. of I cannot wait till this comes out. And the, and what I was thinking of was the ability to be able to advance this kind of work, right? Mm. Because acting like this never existed before. And so now I can not only just pioneer this thing, but I can develop an actual method to this thing that could continue to grow, right? And then bring other actors into the method and expand the method. This is a whole new way of performance, right? So that was where that excitement was. And, and the thing that got crushed in 99 was all of that. It was all the work. It was all the preparation. It was all the excitement. It was all the innovation. It was all the iteration. It was all the software. Everything that we did got crushed by people going, I don't like it. You know what I'm saying? Mm, right. And yeah. it, was, it, was, it was devastating. Yeah. And just hearing you talk about this, if I'm, I'm, I'm imagining like, yeah, like there's a full world where where like you are how people look at like Andy Serkis now, like the, the yeah. in terms of the pioneering of that type of acting and all, and all because of like a sort of like vehement fandom, you know, de derailing that I, my, I'm not to like scratch too much of what you all already talk about in the, in the podcast, but my, my memory of the moment is 
I own Phantom Menace on VHS to, to date me. Um, uh, but I lo- truly loving it. Um, I do impressions. And at the time I was trying like really hard to like, oh, how do I match the Jar Jar voice? And how do I like do? And I never quite <laughs> found the exact tone, but I remember loving it. And then I remember people telling me, no, nah, we hate that. <laughs> like mm. I remember, I remember from people, you know, but it was like, right. time, like time had passed for me before I was around that. What was it in terms of timing for you? Like how soon did you start hearing, you know, whispers or, or, or what have you? It was immediate. Yeah. It was immediate. Mm. Right after the, the, the press screenings. Right. And I say this in the podcast as well. Um, you know, there was a writer from the New York post who just immediately jumped at me is Jar Jar Gay. And, and it really kind of just like shook me up a little bit. And, and, you know, I'm from New York. I'm black. I'm funny, you know? So immediately I was just like, why are you looking for some amphibian ass or something? Like, what are you looking for? Why, why are you asking me? You know, I immediately come back with just like, Shut up. You know what I'm saying? Like, this yeah. is what a dumb question. And um, I didn't I I didn't have the foresight at the time to go, oh, wait a minute. There might be this thing coming down. Right. There might yeah. be this snowball effect happening. And it, it, it really kind of blindsided me. You know, I never really gave too much respect to the New York Post. I still don't. You know, it, yeah, as if, you shouldn't out of out of. Exactly. Like out of all the New York newspapers, that's the one that I would be most likely to clean up dog shit. So I've never really Mm -hmm. gave it much validity or much credence. It's when it started moving, the same idea started moving into, you know, more reputable publications that I was just like, oh shit, there's something going on. Mm -hmm. I will also say we, in terms of the read of Jar Jar as gay, it's something that in the show, my producer and I find in an old website because we sift through the Wayback Machine to like look right. at what was happening. And we found totally by accident like this piece of alt text that was like referring to Jar Jar as a gay slur. And oh, wow. As you know, like as a deeply closeted person at the time, it's like you were so aware watching this happen that that was just like the era of the 90s. Like if something was other, it was gay. So it wasn't Mm, to me, it wasn't necessarily like the queer community is reading this character as gay. It's like gay was just code for other then. And anything that is other and weird is gay. And at the time, gay meant bad. Bad, (laughs) You know, like it wasn't like- It meant dumb, it meant bad. Dumb, bad, annoying, anything negative. And so it's like, it was interesting to see and troubling to see how like that kind of what I call like atmospheric homophobia Mm. was- invoked in this cultural moment um, it was rampant i mean yeah, I mean, yeah. it was it was like the teletubbies which was a kid show it was right. a teletubby yeah. I remember that. Right. tinky winky was like yeah. the gay teletubby because right. carried a purse and mm-hmm. and it was just like there was this huge backlash on tinky winky and i was just like what is happening what is going that. on the cover mm-hmm. of the village voice which was actually my alt 
paper of mm-hmm. choice, you know, in mm-hmm. New York, um, had Jar Jar on the cover holding a purse like Tinky Winky saying the Nelly Menace. And mm-hmm. it was just incredibly heartbreaking wow. that 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 Jar Jar was weaponized in that way. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? In popular right. culture to really inflict harm. And and there was a lot going on in 99, right? And there was a lot of change about to happen in 99. And it it's a bit reflective in what's going on right now with artificial intelligence, right? Mm-hmm. In 99, the big worry was these CGI characters were going to take over living actors' jobs. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that was what was going on in the industry at the time. Right. And George Lucas was this big bad guy because he's bringing technology in to replace real people. And the low hanging fruit was the othering of the character. Right. And so that's what everybody went to. And the fact that I was black, I mean, that was like right out the park. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. If you wanted to really other the character, here's this black man. Not only is this computer generated thing taking your job, but he was played by a black dude who always mm. takes your job. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like it was, it was, uh, wow. you know, it was two for the price of one on that one. Well, it's something is interesting you say that because I, I keep thinking about this where at least here in this country, uh, I remember we have a friend who does, uh, was on astronomy club. He did our podcast and he had a quote on our podcast that I never forget. He's like, he grew up, um, he knew he was going to be hated growing up because he grew up, um, black, which everyone hated, uh, gay, which he knew black people hated, and then poor, which everybody hated. And mm. it's something about that, even hearing about like how Jar Jar was made to be, it was like, yes, he was like this black kind of situation. Then it was like, he's this, this, this gay character, which all made it seem like because he's these two things, America is okay to hate him yeah you know what i mean like just period because it's one you hate one of these two fields and i think about it even you know um a i know and dylan you've been an activist for quite some time it's like how do you how do you deal with the pressure of of trying to be like i don't know where to put it i always feel a very uh a very interesting pressure because i want black people to like me you know what i'm saying because i know we have a lot of things going against us but in doing that that's an inherent pressure as to not mess up because now since we do work in these white spaces it's a lot of pressure to like make sure you still are black or, or right. queer enough while not being too black or too queer to offend a white person but also being black or queer enough to make sure that your your base feels represented and respected like how do y'all like do you even does it even even try to 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 balance anymore or is it just like it's always in the back of your head not offending like some parts of the community if you will well back then um the thing that really sent me into the depression was the fact that black people picked up on the narrative and Mm and believed it and expounded upon it. And when it hit my neighborhood in Brooklyn, that's when I felt like, well, why do I have to live anymore? Mm. I grew up incredibly black, like extra black. I am a dark-skinned, tall, black dude from the Bronx. (laughs) You know, my name is Arabic. My parents were in a theater company called Theater Black. 
not theater african-american not of african descent theater black done that's it yeah you know what i'm saying and you know my mother it was in a an all-female african percussion group i grew up playing african drums you know i my my language in the house wasn't spanish or french it was swahili so like everything black i was so you know, I did Kwanzaa since I was a kid. I know every principle, you know what I'm saying? Like, I know Maulana Karenga created it. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm. my black history is on point, you know? Right. I, I, I know pretty much everything about black American history, right? Um, and for my neighborhood, which was very black at the time in Fort Greene, Brooklyn, it's not very black anymore, but... <laughs> At the time, it was it was very much black, you know. Like Spike mm -hmm. Lee lived on my street. Yeah, Branford Marsalis was up the street. Chris Rock was around the corner, you know. And it was like this really very strong, very artistic, very proud to be black neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So when the streets turned on me, that's mm -hmm. when I was like, "Yeah, what's it's it's over." You know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. there really isn't any point in me being here anymore. Uh, so, yeah. mm. And yeah, it's so difficult. Like, did you have anyone at, the, I don't, again, I, I don't know. I don't <laughs> let us know if we're getting too much into the podcast, but did you have anyone at the time that you were able to turn to like family, friends that no. like could help you separate from no. that stuff? No, I mean, it was this thing, you know, as black men, as as we all know, and I'm gonna put you in this boat too, Dylan, just out of association. <laughs> mm -hmm. but, Honorary, yes, <laughs> yes, <honorary. laughs> But as um as black men, there is this idea that we can carry it all, you know. Sure. And and I think a lot of that comes historically. You know, I was just oh, yeah. in Cape Coast in Ghana. And um, I visited uh, the, the slave castles and walking in those dungeons and seeing how they kept us, you know, how they kept our ancestors barely alive in these spaces. They have a thousand black men packed in a room where 10 is crowded, 10 is too much. Right. There's a window 40 feet in the air that has a sliver of sunlight coming through. And that's the only bit of hope that any one of these men would have is just that sunlight in their own country. Right. And recognizing the strength of what it takes to survive that so we could be here. Right. I don't think we even fathom the amount of pressure that we are under just to survive. And we are very often credited with this ability to be able to take all of that and still achieve, right? We know as writers in writer's rooms, like we're the only one in the room and everybody, the only time we're turned to is when somebody needs a joke for the black character. You know what I'm saying? Or somebody wants to know that what they wrote for the black character is it's authentic. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Right? That yeah. happens more so than it more often than it doesn't. And we're expected 
to be able to emotionally and physically handle that. And we do, right? We do. Because if we don't, we don't eat. Our families don't eat. We don't get to have children, right? We're living in a post-apocalyptic world, right? The transatlantic slave trade for Black people was the apocalypse. And we are thriving in a post-apocalyptic world. And in that world, we can't show weakness, right? We can't make a mistake. And so I bought into the idea of, you know what? I'm a Black actor. I'm fortunate. I shouldn't even be feeling this way. Because I have my brothers on the streets who don't have a meal and don't have a home. I have cousins and uncles locked up trying to survive solitary confinement. And I'm boohooing over a critique in a movie, right? So relatively, I was like, I have, there, there is no argument right. for me to seek any help. Mm. I should be able to carry this weight, Right. If my ancestors could carry slavery, I could carry this. Right. But we all know now, right, where mental health and wellness is tantamount, that everyone's experience is relative to their experience. And comparing yourself to someone else is why we fall into these deep depressions, because we feel like we're so fortunate that we don't need to seek any help. And so I didn't because I felt like I could carry the weight and I couldn't. Yeah. It's crazy too, because I like, we are human beings are social creatures, like a lot of mammals. Right. And like, uh, there is this larger, much larger social element of the media that we really don't have the capacity to, kind of withhold but like we have these you know we have celebrities we have famous people it's we have a whole culture of celebrity now um and then we have this culture of like uh infamy of like people everyone like hates on for whatever reasons and sometimes it can be justified but even in the justified and i think i know like dylan you talk about this like on your podcast uh, like even in the even in the ways that it's like okay this person did do something wrong but the pile on and the amount of hatred and vitriol that is start that starts to be directed towards a person and and then and then the inhumanity that comes with that is so heavy you know and it's like it's an easy thing to say like because i think sometimes you know, and again, we deal with this on a, on a smaller level, but sometimes, you know, people will say, well, just don't read the comments, you know, or, or just, Mm-mm. you know, turn off your, you know, turn off your phone or whatever, as if one, it's that simple. And those things wouldn't bleed through anyway, but also it's like, well, we're social creatures. We want people to like us. We want to feel like we're a part, you know, of society and that we're benefiting society and that, you know, the things that we do aren't looked upon by the world as like wrong and bad. Um, and, and so like the, um, the, I don't know, there, there's a way in which I feel, uh, like the, what happened with you, uh, with Jar Jar Binks, because, and I think this is what you guys talk about a lot of the podcast, because it was an animated character, it was so easy for the masses. And I, and and I'll say, I'm going to leave out the people who started to contact you directly or you know actually took your name and when the vitriol came to you like on a personal level but like that uh underneath i mean over over top of that was just the masses going well it's just a 
it's just a character. It's just the animated character that we don't like in a movie. Like, what's the big deal? You know, mm-hmm. who cares? Um, and I and I don't know. I guess I, I, I the 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 question can be like, in terms of, in terms of, like what was happening towards the hatred going to the character to what was happening towards you. Did that all just conflate? Like, were you able to separate those two things or was it just, just felt like it was all kind of one and the same? Uh, I was not able to separate it. Uh, and it, and it turned into one and the same. And and it's so interesting because sometimes people don't even realize that I was the character. So a lot of the times it's like, no, actually I was there. And then at, but at the same time, it was just like, you ruined Star Wars and I hated you, you know? <laughs> mm. So I was dealing with both of these things. I was dealing with the erasure of not just my contribution to the movies, but the erasure of, um, you know, in a grand scheme of things, once again, Black talent and Black you know, intelligence and acumen being completely erased from something incredibly groundbreaking. Right. Right. And then it was like, and it's your fault and you're not good enough. And Mm. you weren't, it shouldn't have been you. Right. And so it, it, it became this, it became this real, just messy amalgam of, of me and Jar Jar um, as this entity that was incredibly hated. The thing that was the most frustrating to me, even today, is the fact that I wasn't able to continue this work, right? Mm. And even more so than the recognition or the money or anything, like, I... I wanted to do the work. I still want to do the work. You know what I'm saying? And the fact that I was pulled away from the work because of like doing my job, you know, and doing it well, that's the thing that is very hard to, you know, in in my mind, reconcile with, you know, Andy Serkis is the pioneer of this thing. Like without fucking question, without question, he is, and he was given the opportunity to be. But if you look at the script of J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings, and you look at the script of The Phantom Menace, and you don't know the characters, right? You just read right. them. You tell me which one is more of the duplicitous, <laughs> money-hungry evil, subjugating, shining character, right? Yeah. Yeah. Gollum straight up calls Frodo master. Like, he straight up tricks him into believing he's a good Gollum when he's trying to steal his gold ring, you know? Jar Jar says to the Jedis, I owe you a life debt because it's the honorable thing to do. Right? This is what my people call honor. Right? But it's very easy to look at. We know what to do with a British actor. You know what I'm saying? We know what to do (laughs) with Tolkien. You know? 
Ahmed Best from the South Bronx comes in and does a job. This is a real good way to find a way in and knock down this movie and othering and you know what I'm saying? Like it just mm-hmm. happens that way. You done said the magic word to me talking about the British. It's like, no. It is, but it, <laughs> <laughs> you done said it. No, but it is something to that. Now think about that across the board. I think like, you know, um, James, you had said something in early January. Like uh, we were at a festival and I think sure. I... <laughs> took offense no it was something that i've been thinking about ever since like i i got offended by someone in the audience calling us woke comics like i don't i don't i don't know why but instantly yeah. i was like that when i heard the term woke it made me feel like oh that means i'm like preachy or representing something something that opens us up to hatred is what it felt like and then Jay- also like virtue signaling, like we're like hmm. we're just doing it because it's, it's definitely popular. coded, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 And it, it, yeah. it, it instantly hit me. But then James responded with, uh, "Like we are, and there's nothing wrong with that." And to me, yeah. it's something about you know thinking about uh, Dylan, what you do, for instance. Like I've known you for a long time, and like I feel like you've been fighting this fight like speaking out for people and then taking hits. And I think this is the thing when I think about the two of you is like you both have taken hits in a way where, where it seems like you were by yourself. Like Dylan, whether it was the internet, uh, I mean, whether it was literally, I can't imagine what it's like to be in a Star Wars movie, to be the black dude and to have everybody just coming at you. Like I remember on our podcast when we first started, I would do something called The Swirl and my DMs were like black women who were furious like i'm talking about like furious um and it became one of those things where i was like well you like you know what i'm saying i thought everything we were doing were to like literally big up um especially black people especially if you hear me talking about guys i'm talking about black women a lot of times but to hear them come and it's something about wading these kind of waters by yourself and in my mind and dylan this is for you too is like now in 2023 how do you keep yourself above water? Because even I would imagine like the conversations with people who hate you is like, those are people who don't like you. You know what I mean? Like until you can kind of try to change their mind, even if that's possible. Like how do you literally stay sane in a world where like you're getting attacked from people you have never fucking met, <laughs> you know? Well, I have to say it's incredibly hard. Um, I also think conversations with people who hate me was in some ways like a coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I mean, that that's, that's this whole other thing. I think like one thing that I've just been, so t- to answer your question, keeping your head above water, it's like the only way I can keep my head above water is making sense of this stuff. And I think this ties into something that I've been thinking about as this conversation between us has, you know, us right now has been happening is like the story of Jar Jar Banks, which is inextricable from the story of Ahmed Best, is so complicated because there are so many th- things intersecting at the same time. There is the right. erasure of the human behind Jar Jar, the erasure of black contributions to film, this being one of many examples, sadly. There is um, the um, there is nostalgia and how people approach 
something that they loved before and how when it's not Mm. doesn't live up to what they want it to be they decide to find a symbol of what ruined the quote-unquote ruined that thing for them and then it also touches on um how the internet is just not built for constructive criticism you know if people i you know ahmed we've talked about this but like I come from the place where I, I very much think people should be able to express an opinion, express a critique of like something that they're reading in a film. The inherent problem with internet communication is that when you're expressing that critique, you're, you're also maybe not aware that a thousand other people are expressing that critique too. And so it scales up so fast. All to say, so I, I don't mean to like kind of like... <laughs> plunk these questions together, the answer Mm -hmm. to your question of like, I think the way you keep your head above water is making sense of this, but you're also faced with the fact that some of this feels completely nonsensical. And there are so many moving parts that you have to like basically get a sociology degree to like understand and parse apart. And I think part of the reason I've been so driven to do this work and part of why I was so driven to this story is that you keep your head above water by making sense of it. And I think my work, if anything, is to try and help people make more and more sense of this very confusing thing, because it's so much easier to choose the easier story here, right? The easier story is going to be closest to whatever you understand about Jar Jar Binks. The actual story is so much more complicated. But the simple part of the story is that there is one person who paid the biggest price for that, mm-hmm. and that is Ahmed. You know, and it's like, and that there is, I, I'm getting so off topic here, and yeah, I, I know going, I'm saying man. like a lot of a lot of different know. threads of ideas here, but but I think it's like at, at there is often a person whether you are aware of it or not, who is going to pay the price of your literal hate and also even constructive criticism that you don't realize is scaling up at a degree that you're not aware of, Mm. you know? Yeah. And it's interesting in the context of what we do at, because I was kind of thinking about this, not to center ourselves, but we are going to. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I was just thinking about like, like, you know, we, you know, typically review films on this podcast and sometimes we are talking about movies that we uh, do not like um, for various reasons. And some of them, or maybe a lot of them are, are in regards to race and like how the race dynamics were handled and, and uh, in terms of both the script or the casting process or, you know, just uh, the story elements like um, and some and and it's hard because one, we don't know much about the inner workings of how something got made mm-hmm. um, and the stories behind it. And like, you know, we we're not naive enough to know that, like, just because one screenwriter is credited on a screenplay sometimes doesn't mean that a lot of hands haven't got into that you know mm-hmm. that there haven't been many people who have written stuff that things haven't changed that even maybe even the person who's credited looks at that script and goes well that's not really what i wrote it got changed by the director it got changed by the producers you know there's all this stuff and then and then there is of course what happens when 
you intend for one thing and then audiences just interpret a different way. And like, you know, in the, in the case of Jar, Jar Binks, you know, I can't help but think about, you know, in relation to what we do, there are so little black characters in the Star Wars universe, especially then, that of course, like when people had this character, and I'm speaking specific to the race component of it, like when they saw this character who they felt was like kind of silly and goofy and uh, childlike uh, in demeanor, you know, and then he was kind of in service in a way to these other white characters who are the protagonists. People are like, well, this is Hollywood doing the same thing again, you know, and then that can start to spin off into the like the sellout, the Uncle Tom stuff, which is like so complicated, you know, in terms of like what it means to not support, you know, our own people when they are doing something, achieving something, you know, getting, trying to make their own way in, in this like racist society that we live in and the amount of, you know, um, uh, like, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm getting distracted by <laughs> a, d- a nearby dog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the amount of like, um, ways in which, uh, we have to compromise, um, and, and, you know, navigate the, all of the different dynamics. Like it's just, it's so tricky. And, and then there's so much responsibility, like we said, placed on black creatives for doing the thing exactly right. When really what it is, is just, we're starving. I, I, we say this a lot on the podcast a lot. We're just starving for more of what we don't see, right? The reality is, I think, I, I'll just speak for myself. Like in terms of the black community, like it's like, I was, I know, I'll just speak to the, to the newer editions of, of Star Wars, right? When that, when the first one came out, we were celebrating it a lot. Oh, man. we were like, oh, we about thought we f- were oh, okay. getting something that we didn't. I'm not going to say specific names of movies. I'm just sure. saying that there was a character, a black character in the movie Swindled. that the trailers made it seem like we were getting something that we hadn't We really were certainly swindled. Yet. We certainly were. And then it, that kind of wasn't the case, but we were, but, and we were so hyped on that, that like the, the failed expectations of it didn't really hit until the next movie <laughs> came out. And then we were like, oh, this really isn't what we thought it was going to be. And that doesn't take away from this actor, this performance, or maybe even the story. But we want to see more of a thing that we feel like we haven't seen, which is like a black person being the main <laughs> character of a franchise that we we also love, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and And so anyway, there's all these like, complicated everyone is every human being is complicated and they're bringing their own complications to whatever art that they're consuming and then you scale that you know by hundreds of millions of people you get the kind of mess that we're in in now i feel like yeah man yeah i think here's here's one of the biggest problems with the industry and our reactions to the industry um, so I was the first person to do this type of performance in cinema, in, a, in cinema as a main character, right? Right. There have been other CGI characters, but I was the first one in as a main character in most of the movies. Um, I was the first person. I was the first black man to do it. Um, 
And I was the last black man to do it. Wait, what? And, Is that right? Yeah. There hasn't been another one since me. I was the last. Oh. Zoe Saldana has done the same work in the Avatar movies. She identifies as Afro-Latina. Uh, right. They, 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 um, the industry looks at her as a star. So she has, you know, above the title name recognition, but there has been no other black man since me. Not one. We're talking about an entire career path that black men have been excluded from completely because of the reaction to Jar Jar Binks. The industry would much rather not deal with black men than take a chance on another one. That's the Mm. detriment that happens when it's not just white folks, but it's us too. Right. Mm. Right. Right. I, my biggest, the biggest pain for me happened from Aaron Magruder. When he called me out in the boondocks, right? I loved the boondocks. And this was back when it was a comic strip in the newspaper, right? I was like, here's this young boy. This is before I knew who Aaron Magruder was or uh, his, you know, reputation around town, right? Mm -hmm. Which we won't get into. Yeah. But all of a sudden, I pick up my favorite comic strip, and here is another black man calling me out. Without even knowing me, me, without even talking to me, you know, just automatically just like, let's kill this dude. And that's when the other black folks in the neighborhood, just for, just for cool factor, jumped on, right? Because the boondocks was cool. The boondocks still mm-hmm. is cool. And I was a fan. Right. I supported Aaron Magruder. I supported the boondocks, right? Right. But because of the cool factor... Right. And because of the backlash, we've completely excluded every black man since me of being a main character in a movie, especially major motion pictures. And major motion pictures, you can't do one without CGI now. Yeah. Right? Right. Right. Can't do one. So that's the thing that happens. That that is the hard part where it's like, um, I mean, Viola Davis talks about it a lot as well, where it's like you get one shot and not only if like if that goes wrong, not only does it affect you, it affects every other black person behind you. And then thinking about black men in particular, I'm not starting to beef, but there is something about. No, but it is something about being from the Bronx, being like a black American and not. I don't think, personally, if you would have been from the UK, would people have said the same type of characters? Like, there would be no, like, uh, Dumbo Crow analogies. I think those things are very inherent to, like, Black Americans, whereas, like, mm-hmm. instantly it would be considered, like, a certain kind of way. And it's something where I feel like there is no defense of Black men when it comes to media. Like, if you do a part where, say, you're, like, swinging for the stars, it doesn't work out. If it's a white boy, he probably won't get another shot. And then we're going to forget yeah. Several, he, like, several gonna, yeah, exactly. We'll forget what happened. 
But then even hearing about it now, when I think about the avatars of it all, and it's like, you know, one of my biggest things about avatars is that um, at one point in the first one is like the white people were white, but then all the blue people were like random ass people of color. They were like <laughs> literally like Latinx and they're like Afro Latinos. And I'm like, are we never yeah. going to we never going to talk about how all the blue people are basically that until the white people became blue? Because the blue people have better bodies. Look, I'm not going to get into that. I'm not, I'm not going not gonna to go down that hole. But it is something to that. And I think the thing that's so, what I'm fascinated by now is I'll be very curious if, you know, Jar Jar came back, what would the experience be for that character in the 2023 lens? Because... yeah. It'd be different. I do think it'd be different. Because I think we we are not only more understanding, but because we have seen, and I'm happy you brought it up, like, look, I like Lord of the Rings, but but Gollum definitely got some um some crow tendencies that we just let go of. <laughs> crow I mean, it, it, it like it's the crow tendencies, and like we just let it slide. And not only do we let it slide, but like that became a thing where like we should award these crow tendencies, the way he talks. The way he moves, the things he wants are all crow-like. Like, he got a Bro, video game doing crow shit. My guy, I'll do you one better. The next two roles that Andy Serkis played were I King don't do it. Kong <laughs> and Planet of the Apes. Now imagine, imagine if them joints came my way. Well, yeah. The backlash I, writes itself. Yeah, I have been right. thinking that too yeah, because damn. it's like it, there, there's that, there's damn, a thing that I've been hearing now, even of like where it's like, would, 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 like, would Hollywood even have been like a black man can play this monkey? Like, do you know no, I mean? no, like, bro. Because it, it would, because no. it would have been like, oh, it's too. You can't no. do it. You can't. Now, no. And again, but to me, and you're you're a hundred percent right, James. But to me, the reason for that. Isn't because it's like we should be able to do that without people looking like, 1, like wait a minute. But the reason we can't is because there were not enough and still aren't really leading black actors in Hollywood and all the stories. So even in those even in those movies, right, all the other actors pretty much are white. I know there's like I know there's one black guy in King Kong and. Uh, Planet of the Apes. I'm not actually sure, uh, but like, there's a black person Planet of the Apes. I don't know. I don't know, but but that's what I'm saying. It's like if we're if 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 it's everybody, if black actors are doing this, doing this, doing this, doing that, we're not going to be looking at the fact that they're like, oh, of course they gave, oh, the most prominent role that they gave to the one black actor in this film is that of the ape. The ape. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. But but in the context of how those movies were made. Absolutely, that would yeah, have been yeah, the story. Yeah. And how could we not say anything about? Listen, it? I tell you, you know, and, I mean? and in thinking about, and in thinking about how this could all trace back to the to the Jar Jar role, right? Like all of the the way that people like took like, oh, the the Misa and the like the the terminology being like, oh, that's Afro Caribbean. Like we are, it's it's somehow deconstructed from that, and the and also the. The like the the traders, the spice trade, the Asian spice, seemingly Asian spice mm. traders in Phantom Menace, you know, like makes yeah. uh, making pe- making people like sort of look at it in this like, oh, what right. is yeah. what is the race that I can code onto this? Um, right. Yeah, yeah like yeah, being something un- underneath it all in a way. Right. It made me think of Jarrell like. <laughs> like uh, uh, there has been a trend in some animated movies where you have the main black character then turns into 
uh, an animal or some or just it's like you have a black like a black like you know animated character on screen and then it becomes a frog or you know a, a blue dot or a cat that or whatever. man and becomes like, a dot for the whole <laughs> movie and then he but get the, replaced but, by a white but woman like, sorry we shouldn't right, have to be think we shouldn't have to be thinking about that but we are because of the larger context of race that's yeah. already happening yeah. and then we can't help but but then it's but the thing that i find difficult as a commentator on these things uh, I mean, and I'm sure we will continue to find difficult even as a writer, but I, but just as a commentator on these things, I'm like, how much credence should we give to the, how much emphasis should we put, be putting on that? Because art is never going to be perfect and we have to be allowed to do certain things. Like there's a way. Let me tell you, which- I would have acted the shit out of Caesar. Okay. I would have <laughs> too. Boy. <laughs> exactly. Like Caesar. would have just. Oh, yeah, exactly. So I would have so, killed Caesar. I would have killed it. Yeah. I would have killed it. But the fact yep. that I wasn't, I can't even be considered. Like that's yeah, that's right. the problem. Yeah, you know, that's because the problem. Where you have some because there's gonna be an executive that's gonna go, hmm, didn't he just get all that backlash from Star Wars? We can't put him in this thing, regardless of yeah. how good I was. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, right. regardless of what job that I did. And and that's right. that's the issue. Like for me, at the end of the day, it's about the fucking work. Like I did not get to do the work, not even in the other Star Wars movies. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like the mm, the right. the. the that's the issue. The problem is, and you know, this happened to Boyega, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, it's yeah. the same thing. Like in the next two movies, he's like gone, right? Yep. It just disappears. And we talked about it, me and John, you know, <laughs> but I have to say like the way John handled it. And I told him this too, a million times better than the way I did a million See, times better. And I think a lot of it is because Everyone learned from my experience. Yeah, Everyone yeah. learned from what happened to me in 99. and was just like, and we're, we're actually better protected by the companies as well, yeah. right? Yeah. Because mm. there were so many people that I was very close to in Lucasfilm who were just as heartbroken as I was, right? Mm-hmm. But couldn't say anything because they had jobs. They had mm-hmm. to survive. And, and, mm-hmm. and I totally don't fault them. I don't hate them. And I completely understand you know what I'm saying? But it wasn't just me that was erased. Right. Software engineers, animators, technologists, mm-hmm. DPs. Like, so there was an army that went into the work that we did, right? Right. An army. And those people have to listen to all of this shit. And part of my, you know, emotional reaction to it was me feeling like I let all of them down, right? If it wasn't for me, then they would be able to go on and do more pioneering work. But I wasn't good enough to be able to support all of their work. See, even hearing oh. you say that, that is something that I think black people, people of color do. I'm like, again, I don't know George, but one of my mind is the person who should take the most flack for that, for a particular character, for a movie or something, is not the person who's casting it because that person did not write it. That person did not give notes. And direction. And I think sometimes when I think about how black performers are treated, is we take the brunt of something that for the most part should be directed at someone else. Like I love when I see a director, I mean Chris Nolan would do this. Like I will see him come out and defend a performance, defend something that he was like, I told this person to do that. And I'm like, that's you need that because that saves the person yeah. 
a lot of headway and that also helps the person get more work later and i feel like talking about you know um, um boyega like i remember when boyega came out like he had a lot of protection i remember it he had a lot of protection the internet like you said was drastically different and like people were on board what he said but also he was hella reckless with how he was saying certain things and i'm like i don't know I don't know if an American man could do that. And no, he was British. He gets to, it's different when you're it's, British. It's no. Yeah. I think it's the accent. It, it's no way. It's no way you coming <laughs> yeah, out here. No, but it's it. truly. I and mean, like, yeah, it is the accent. Because I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be out here with though. my hands cursing. They're gonna be like, nah, this dude is not educated. And like, you're gonna get every type of word. And so I think it's something like that is also a thing that Hollywood does. Is it's it breaks down black people in other as well. You know, it's like, ah, this is an acceptable black down. It's not that much. Like, what school did that person go to? Ah, not that much. So, I don't know, man. This this, this interesting. Yeah. Sorry, what are you saying? And I've, I've been kind of biting my tongue to br- bringing up specifically, like, when people talk about, like, a character ruining S- Star Wars, or in this case, you, the actor playing the character ruining Star Wars, that we're, like, sort of underneath that, this is all the brainchild of the creator of Star <laughs> the guy who created Star Wars, right? And it's, it's not to, this is not to, like, bid uh, actors against writers or in any sort of way, but that, I mean... To take it back to like we are on we're on strike right now, <laughs> you yeah. know, and like a thing that I think that people miss is the like the the emotional labor of of literally being the face of something. Yeah, mm-hmm. like it it it's mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. it's a it's a thing that happens and it is a and it's a part of our job as actors. And you took a such a tremendous hit in this in this way and to and to be on the on the other side of it in the way that you are it's a true testament to to you i mean it's 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 amazing thank you yeah it's an incredible story and uh i mean i mean I, so i don't know we've been we've been going at this for a bit. <laughs> I, want, I want everybody to, i want dylan to be able to sleep uh, but, <laughs> this i is, feel great i'm yeah. in my little sound <laughs> so i feel i'm ready to sleep no uh, i i yeah. i just want to chime in Please. and also say like Ahmed astounds me you know like I've I've gotten to know him I think quite well throughout this process mm. um I hope I can say that I got a nod yeah. <laughs> I'll keep going with that we are um, friends <laughs> we are friends deal with it uh we're coming out as friends right now um no I think like he's just um I, he's incredible, and I think I'm I'm talking about him not only as if he's not here, but as if he's mm-hmm. passed. <laughs> like, this is my he was incredible. My <laughs> no, no, no. He's he's here, and I'm saying this in front of him. But um, I I think he was handed such to say shitty hand is like an understatement of what he was handed with this, and it was like Ahmed, you you kind of you you were the canary in the coal mine and you were on the front lines you know like there's sorry for the loudest motorcycles that are just passing me as I'm, I'm trying to praise you um no you were the canary in the coal mine and at the front lines which i understand is a mixed metaphor but for good reason because you were all of these things and yet it's like you know you shouldn't have to be the expert on this thing. And yet you have chosen to like look inside yourself to like understand what happened, how this affected you, how this affected other people. And the fact that I've, I've had the privilege of, you know, being part of 
sharing this story, uh, meaning interviewing you for this story has, has been an honor. So I just think, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just so wildly impressed by you. So just you, that. that was beautiful. Well, thank you. Well, appreciate that. Yeah. I, uh, we share in those sentiments and, and uh, you as well, Dylan, you're uh, an incredible. Thank you. Praise host. for me. Yes. Um, That's right. I believe there are a couple around. apologies and, uh, actually that you're and, uh, owed. Yeah, I could just get <laughs> Thank a, you. Uh, just, Tessa. Just Tessa to around to do this apology. <laughs> Lots of interruptions at the beginning. That's what I really waited for. I wanted to give you all space to have this beautiful conversation so that I could really come in as the real victim. Oh, yeah. uh, people, please listen to the redemption of Jar Jar Binks. It is a TED a podcast, but you can get it anywhere you get your podcasts, I uh, imagine. And um, yeah, uh, we are on strike. We're not promoting any struck work. Uh, but uh, is there is there anywhere uh, you would like people to maybe follow you on social or, or any non-struck work that you would like to promote or talk about? <laughs> <laughs> um, goes for me, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I am promoting the podcast, which is non-struck, um, as well as all the, the work that I do at USC and Stanford. This is my D, okay. D school, Futures at Stanford D school and um, all the work that I do with the Afro uh, Futures podcast and the Afro Rhythm Futures group. We just did a seminar with the Gates Foundation about the future of math education. I just got to let y'all know that we solved math. We figured it out. Oh, good job. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. You, you solved it. it. I was terrible. So, so that means so. no one ever wow. has to do that. No, we all got y'all. We got y'all. We got all the problems have been solved. All, all the problems. Every math all problem. Not a single math problem has to all ever be done have again. Been found. We, all the proofs have been proved. <laughs> Please, because I figured it out. I cheated doing algebra, so I'm going to need a lesson because, uh, brother, <laughs> that was not we my got strong you. suit. We got you. We got math education for you. We got you. So you can just check me out on Instagram at best I'm at. I, I I got rid of everything else. That's the only one I got. Great. Um, Respect. I should my, do that now. I should do that now. Um, and you can find me at Dylan Marin, but uh, I will divert people. If you, if you were deciding between two things, follow someone or listen to a podcast, I would say go listen <laughs> to, to the redemption of Jar Jar Banks. This was a labor of love. It really was. Yes. And, and Dylan, you know, I was working on a one man show uh, before the pandemic. And so I, I really wanted to find a way to tell this story. And then the pandemic hit and I couldn't do it. So um, when Dylan came around, he was just so careful, you know, with, with mm. the story that I, I felt safe. So um, this is where you'll hear it. And I got to thank you, Dylan, for, for taking that care. You know, my grandmother used to always say, take care now, take care yeah. now. <laughs> Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. I never really like <laughs> took, slowed it down and yeah. listened to it, but mm -hmm. take care now. Like now is the time to take care of each other. Mm -hmm. now, you yeah. know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love beautiful. that sentiment. Um, yeah. you can, you can follow us at black men podcast on, on Twitter and Instagram. And we do have a Patreon. Uh, we're going to try to figure out ways to continue content. Uh, even though we, we are not doing our, our main source of the podcast anymore, but that is a great way to support us and keep our podcast free. Uh, so we have a Patreon and also exclusive, uh, red circle account. 
Uh, you can find links to that at blackmanpodcast.com, which is our website. And we have a, a, a live improv show coming up mm-hmm. August 6th, Sunday, uh, 7 o'clock at the UCB Franklin. Uh, if you live in Los Angeles or uh, coming here anytime, uh, mm-hmm. we do that the first Sunday of every month. Yep. Oh, I'm going to uh, check that some- out. Come on, yeah, come on, come on, come on, yeah, yeah, it'll be fun. So yeah, check that out. Uh, and uh, oh yeah, you can follow me at John Braylock, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you can follow me at Rule of Three Inc. Three is the number three. Um, you can follow me at Dry Milligan on Twitter and Instagram. Um, technically, I'm trying to get off Twitter because I don't like the logo. The logo is All unattractive right. to me. <laughs> oh, that's the reason you're well, going to get off Twitter? We don't need to spend any time talking the about The logo this. put me... There's there was a lot of changes I didn't like, but that logo... A couple logo, of things are happening on Twitter that aren't great. The logo yeah. is okay. horrendous. Yeah, but the logo is, I the logo don't is like the it. last straw. And they, okay. and they just changed it on my phone. I was like, don't put this ugly-ass logo on my phone. So yeah, right now I just got Instagram. <laughs> ugly-ass logo. Sorry. Uh, thank you, Dylan and Ahmed, for uh, coming on the yes. podcast. Thank it, you so it much. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you. Uh, and everyone else, we will yeah, us, hopefully you. see you uh, maybe in two weeks. All right. Peace. Peace. What's up, Black Men Can't Jump comic book fans? James III here to talk to you about my comic series, Junior, available now on Kickstarter. The Ghost with the Most Past Due Child Support is back in four brand new issues of this semi-autobiographical supernatural comic series. It's got all sorts of spooky hijinks for fans of Beetlejuice, The Good Place, and The Mummy, stuff like that, and features award-winning artists from Marvel, DC, Dark Horse, and more. It's available on Kickstarter through June 9th. Go to ruleof3inc.com or follow me at ruleof3inc on IG for more details. Donate today! <laughs>